We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Like Kobe in the fourth quarter. This is the Day More NBA podcast brought to you by Blue Wire Podcasts. And on today's show, I'll again be joined by Britt Robson of The Athletic. Yesterday, Britt and I talked about this wild second round of the playoffs. So on today's show, we're going to pivot back to the Timberwolves and talk all Timberwolves. Um, obviously, the Wolves haven't had a game in a month. But a little news has been trickling out here recently surrounding the ownership change from Glenn Taylor to Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie. So I wanted to talk to Britt about that. We'll parse through all things ownership change. And we also touch on the Timberwolves G League coach, Sam Newman-Beck, being let go after seemingly you know, what we thought was a successful run down there in Iowa. So the first 15 minutes of this episode is on Rosa's and Finch letting Newman-Beck go and kind of the motivation behind that. And then the final half hour, we'll go all in on what has been a uh, very messy first few steps of the Timberwolves uh, ownership exchange. But before I bring in Britt in, our presenting sponsor is BetUS, and with the NBA playoffs here, we've got a place for you to wager. BetUS also has NFL Week 1 lines already live for you to bet on. At BetUS, they have great payouts, the industry's biggest bonuses, and every bet type you could dream of. You can call now, 1-800-69-BETUS, or go online at BetUS.com and get a 125% sign-up bonus using promo code DANE125. Bet US, you bet, you win, you get paid. And again, a reminder that Britt and I will be at Forgotten Star Brewery for a live event next Tuesday. That's less than a week already. That is the NBA Draft Lottery Night, so come through that night. Meet Britt and I. We'll watch the lottery together over some beers, and Britt and I will do a live show after the lottery's results come in. Forgotten Star is, again, a huge brewery with plenty of room to watch the lottery and then whatever playoff game will follow that up. I checked the schedule. We don't know what that is yet, but... It'll be one of these, I mean, it might be a conference finals game. Um, at the event, they'll be, selling, uh, they'll be selling beer whose proceeds go to the Fridley basketball program. It's a honey IPA called the Buzzer Beater Honey IPA. I've had it. It's delicious. They also got $4 cream ales. They got a whole, they're a brewery. They got a whole, whole slew of stuff. If you want to check out Forgotten Star before lottery night this weekend, maybe, um, they're located in Fridley, but really it's about 10 minutes away from downtown Minneapolis. They're open at noon, seven days a week. Like I've been telling you guys, I'm just hammering this home. I've been wanting to do a live show since I took this podcast independent a year or so ago. Uh, the pandemic obviously got in the way of that. So I'm excited that we can do this. Um, again, it'll just be a chance to, to all together watch the NBA lottery 
on June 22nd. We'll be there at 6 o'clock, and the lottery starts at 7.30. So come on through to Forgotten Star Brewery. Again, it's located 10 minutes from downtown Minneapolis, and have a beer. Now let's bring in beer. All right, back for a sort of part two of my conversation with Britt Robson of The Athletic. Uh, we yesterday spoke about where we were at in the, the second round of the playoffs, and I want to just do a separate podcast that is Timberwolves-specific. It's been a while since you and I have talked about the Timberwolves. Not yes. that there's really been any sort of movement. No, with just attendant the t- <laughs> debris. Exactly. And the, you know, the most recent debris, and I think this will be a – consistent wind of dust for a while is this Timberwolves ownership um, situation that will kind of remain confusing. But also, a little bit more prescient is the is the firing of Sam Newman Beck of the Iowa Wolves, who you um, and I have both kind of held at, you know, as, a, as an admiral sort of piece of the Gerson Rosas era and what the Iowa Wolves were able to do in developing, you know, Nas Reed Jared Vanderbilt, Jalen Noel, Keelan Martin down the line um, kind of seemed like the Iowa Wolves had a good thing going there. It was the shiny badge of the first year of the Rosas regime. It, it was, was the thing where you go, okay, the guy missed on some big things. He missed on the Jared Culver pick and trade. Um, but he he grabbed some folks, second rounder in Jalen Noel, free agent, uh, in Nas Reed, picked up a Jordan McLaughlin here, a Keelan Martin here, and then threw them all down to Iowa. And when they came up, they knew the Wolves' system better than the guys who were playing for the parent club. And that's when you said, okay, this general manager, Pobo, whatever you want to call him, has got a system right? and, and knows how to groom people for this system. And that He's developing an identity, a culture that will last. And then in the end of between year two and year three, the emblematic guy of that, the coach, I mean, who knows? Uh, I think the uh, the guy with the Italian last name. Uh, Gianluca Pascusi. Yes, thank you. Yes. Um, you, you even said that with a little bit of an Italian flair, I think. I'm glad <laughs> I asked you to do it. Um he he deserves a lot of credit too. I think he he did some talent scoping and and Gerson I'm sure gets some of the credit there. But the idea that you can this guy, at least that's what he's left. We don't know for sure if it's mutual, do we? I think it's not mutual. I think okay. It's, it's well, a, then if in fact the guy it, it might have been it might have been the end of his contract. Uh huh. But um, even so, but right, he deserved the new contract. I mean, you know, Iowa Wolves last year, of course, was. Uh, totally disrupted by COVID, and so it really was a lost season there. I know, but I, I think what will be pointed to, or if and when quotes come out from Rosas or Finch on that, it, they will highlight, I think they went 0-10 in the G League bubble and were really bad this year. Oh, horrors. <laughs> but, yeah. you know, so right, right. it's, uh, I mean, I guess the main thing I take away from it other than that, maybe because all the guys on the roster that year were with the parent club. Exactly. <laughs> I, but it's 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 Finch building out. It's Finch kind of showing that this is my coaching staff now. He obviously inherited Ryan Saunders' staff, and and what has since happened is yes, you let go to the G League coach, but they also let go of Brian Gates, who is a Ryan Saunders acolyte in that, and then and then David Vanderpool too 
is is also is also gone. And I'm just uh, I think we could point to Sam Newman Beck and say, you know, give him a pat on the back. You did a good job. But to me, it also it also makes sense for Chris Finch to want to bring in um, his his own guys. Hey, I disagree. I think there's nothing wrong with wanting the guys who sit next to you every day and in the pregame coaches room with you every day. I can understand why Gates is gone. I can certainly understand why Vanderpool's gone. I'm sure that was mutual. Um, but Newman Beck, I mean, this is a guy who's got an interesting track record fresh off working for the guy you work for in Rosas. Um, grooming people. And I imagine if you told him what your philosophy was, at the very least, he deserves a season to try it out. Um, why would it be? I can understand you wanting to pick your own assistant head coach, your own three other assistant coaches. But when you get down to the level of the G League guy and the guy has done a good job, I think that's if, in fact, one of the reasons it's happening is to put your imprimatur on it. That's a little bit too arrogant. That's a little bit too uh, reach down. I want a little more control. Besides, why should you have that control? Why isn't that Gerson's realm since he is the personnel guy? You're the X's and O's guy. You know? and, and, and maybe it is, too. I, I, I don't know that. I don't know. Right, I but I guess what I'm saying is I, you're not the first person to say this. A lot of people have said, well, I guess Finch may want his own staff. Finch has his own staff. He can choose whoever he wants for okay, the big okay, club. Okay. I, you're talking hundreds of miles away. Right, I'm not... I, I, told, I don't I'm like not, it. I'm not I don't the like the decision. I, I, I think I he you. got screwed. I, I, I think I agreed. I, what I do get is that Chris Finch came from the G League. Uh-huh. And... And maybe somebody fired him someday. <laughs> maybe. I he is relative to the other NBA coaches, you know, Nick Nurse withstanding, um, is intimately aware of kind of the value and you know, and the what can be kind of produced there. And to that end, I don't I, I get it. I, I guess I I get it and and he probably views that role as an extension of the guy sitting next to him, which is a little bit different than what you're saying. Do you, do you he, get what I'm saying? Yes. I, I will grant you the logic of that, and it would make a lot more sense if this guy wasn't very good at what he does. And if we want to trade 0-10 as the feature rather than, you know, as I said, the shining badge of the first year... Um, it just feels like classic Timberwolves dysfunction to me. It doesn't help my impression of the team. It doesn't help my impression of the people who are remaining. Um, and I will grant you that I'm seeing one patty cake of the elephant. I have no idea what's going on. This guy may be a terror behind the scenes. He may have said... I don't like the way Chris Finch coaches. I like Ryan Saunders. Or he may, you know, there could be a million reasons. Or he may be lining himself up to get a better job somewhere. Sure. Um, uh, he, he's ultimately, Sam was ultimately a Ryan guy, though. Sam was on the staff, was on flip staff and all that with Ryan at a lower level. He was a, 
I don't know if it's video, but mm-hmm. some lower level sort of thing. So ultimately, Sam Newman Beck was a Ryan Saunders guy. Brian Gates was a Ryan Saunders guy. Jason Hervey, who also was was let go, was a Ryan Saunders guy. Basically, what Finch or Rosas and or Finch are doing is cleaning house of all of those guys and building a new one. Another testimonial to family values. (laughs) (laughs) That was was low. (laughs) Well, no, it isn't. It is absolutely dead on. What did we hear over and over again? We're a family organization. Except for the people that aren't in our inner orbit. You know, you can marry out into the family a little bit, but don't ever say something different than what the family catechism is. No, that's, that's, yeah, you're, 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 it's fair. This is a situation where the Timberwolves actually had a guy who did a really good job at something that was supposedly. One of their ground floor specialties. Which is not your, just your opinion. Gershon Rosas is on the record numerous times heaping praise on, on Iowa and, and what they've done there. And, and as are me, you, everyone who covers it's this team. It's just, I mean, if you watch the Timberwolves at all, there's a guy on Twitter named Key Sanjay or whatever his name is who, who, who yeah. lives and dies with Iowa, who mm. um, I think is really pretty smart about you know what's going on there. He sees a lot of the games. And uh, his insights, I think, were helpful. And a lot of people, I totally underestimated Jordan McLaughlin. You know, when he came up, I, I, I badmouthed him. He turned out to be a lot better than I thought. Every single person who came up turned out to be a pleasant surprise. Um, you know, with the possible exception of Jalen Noel, who couldn't hit a shot after being supposedly a sharpshooter. And then lo and behold, he is a sharpshooter. He is a good guy. Right. Um, it just—it's a discordant note that didn't have to be sounded, in my view. Here, I—I I thought you were—you were taking shots at me on Twitter when you when you were like, "Oh, the bullshit comment." Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "Whatever, I'll let this go." I'll talk to Brett on Tuesday. <laughs> no, like, no, I'm just no. Reporting what it. was bullshit was the activity. Yeah. You know, I to to be. So readers will know this. You tweeted out something about the, him being let go. Mm-hmm. And I said, one of the great things about staying off Twitter for a couple of days is I didn't have to counter bullshit like this. Right. You know, and, it, you know, who knows? I, like I said, I'm in high dungeon about it. And I don't, maybe I don't know what I'm talking about. All I know is what is presented in front of me and having covered a dysfunctional franchise for 30 years. I get a whiff of when something feels dysfunctional to me. And this feels dysfunctional to me. Well, speaking of, there's been, there's been some uh, dysfunction surrounding the, um, the nature of the, the Timberwolves' new ownership. And we're going to talk about that after we take a quick break. The NBA playoffs are here, and this summer's summer betting action is heating up with my friends over at BetUS. After Wednesday morning's crazy news of Chris Paul entering the COVID protocols and Kawhi Leonard now being out indefinitely with a knee sprain, the NBA odds have just jumped all over the place. This Clippers-Jazz series was a coin toss yesterday, 
And now the Jazz are heavy favorites at minus 270, according to BetUS. And the Phoenix Suns were the finals favorites when we recorded, when Britt and I recorded yesterday. And now they're off the board. Not to mention what Kevin Durant did last night. I mean, the, which boosted the Nets from underdogs in that Milwaukee series to now heavy favorites themselves at minus 230. It's insane. If you feel like you've got a feel on these playoffs, I'd encourage you to go create an account at BetUS and place a wager. And if you're looking to bet on other things too, they got UFC, MLB, golf, summer Olympics, football season, all those things are either here or just right around the corner. And you need a sports book if you want a place with great payouts. BetUS has the industry's biggest bonuses and every kind of bet type you could dream of. BetUS has been a pioneer in online betting for over 25 years and prides itself on being America's favorite sports book. So take advantage of this action-packed summer and sign up today at BetUS.com. That's BetUS.com or 1-800-69-BETUS and receive 125% sign-up bonus when you use the promo code DANE125. And if you miss tip-off, forget to bet, you're still sitting there, you want to bet, that's no problem. At BetUS, you can bet live all the way up to the final buzzer. And if you want to bet on the NFL, you think that's too early? Nope. At BetUS, Week 1 Lions are already out. You can bet on all your football stuff. If you want some blackjack, you want to spin the reels, there is a casino at BetUS as well. I bet at BetUS, so you should too. Join now by calling 1-800-69-BETUS or online at BetUS.com. BetUS, you bet, you win, you get paid. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? I struggle with perfectionist tendencies and it can show up in my life as procrastination because I'd rather not do something at all than do it and not have it perfect. My perfectionism can trigger anxiety and my anxiety can sometimes make me depressed. In the last year though, I've prioritized therapy and it has made a huge difference in my personal and professional life. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. The service is available for clients worldwide and is more affordable than traditional offline counseling, and financial aid is available. Visit betterhelp.com forward slash blue wire. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. Special offer for Blue Wire podcast listeners. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash Blue Wire. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com forward slash Blue Wire. So, Britt, since... The season has ended. Let's see if we could kind of timetable this all out. All right. There, there was a exclusivity window signed between Alex Rodriguez, Mark Laurie, and and Glenn Taylor to negotiate, um, you know, taking over the the Timberwolves franchise. And in that time, they have been, you know, kind of crowned the the new owners of of the organization. And rightfully so. I mean, they've got they've signed some. Some big, big agreements. Yes, but only for a fraction of of the, the you know the purchasing exactly. price. Yep. And so I I would actually say a lot of it, or, or for me, my opinion is I've I've been wary of it kind of all along, as, in terms of okay, we've we've crowned Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie as as the new owners, yet they f- are only buying a fraction of the team now, and will. 
someday, years down the line, I mean, just as Glenn Taylor's doing, the, right. the nature of the way he's going about it, it, it's been very bizarre. And so I've just been, you know, I've been wary of the whole thing and w- wondering exactly what's sort of going on behind the scenes. And that's not something we normally would become privy to the information of because right. that, that all happens behind closed doors. Now, this whole lawsuit has come out, which has unearthed a ton of information, relatively speaking, to to what is going on with Meyer Orbach, who is the a snake in the grass. <laughs> the snake in the grass, but he's the he owns the second highest percentage of the team behind behind Glenn Taylor. Yeah. And and he comes out with this information that, you know, in in the agreement with Rodriguez and Lori that there is nothing in the contract, as Glenn had said, that the team won't be able to be moved. It was a low blow, snake, whatever. But also facts, like it that wasn't that wasn't in the agreement. Now, on was Monday, he really after keeping the team here, or was he after, as we now learn, oh, yeah. he wants immediate return oh, on his stake? One hundred percent. Yeah, his motivation for that is I want my three hundred million dollars. He blackmailed it yeah, pretty much. Exactly, and that that that's totally what happened. And all that is just the fallout of that, the debris, is right. this information that, right. that we've gathered right. and, and has come now with more subsequent information right. about you know, the, the pace of ownership. Right. Yes. And, and that has highlighted probably some stuff that they wouldn't have preferred to be out there that basically illuminates the fact that uh, but we know that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie do not currently have the money to purchase this team and may be able to scale their way to that number over over time. That was all illuminated in the suit, while also Glenn Taylor's lawyer saying that the sale may never happen. But I think that's a legal argument. That is a, that is a legal argument, but it's also a stated something. It, it's, it's stated plainly. I think the reason it is stated plainly is that in legal terms... Mm-hmm. Something has to be certain in order to have yes. the terms of something exercised. And what the Taylor Corporation's lawyers were dealing with there, very appropriately in my view, was you want tag-along rights when I don't even have full tag-along rights because it's not the way the deal is set up. Which is fair. So if you want to jump the gun and get your advance payment when I'm not getting the advance payment, why don't you go out and try to negotiate your 17% and see if you can find somebody that can buy the whole team from your 17%? I don't think it's going to work. Which is all all totally fair. It was dismissive. And what that meant was it was a nuisance lawsuit by a guy who clearly just wanted his money before his money was due. And let's let's make something pretty clear here. The terms of Glenn Taylor's original ownership and then the terms of when this guy bought it are both much lower than what eventually is going to be paid out mm. for these owners to get this franchise. If this guy just shuts up and waits, he is going to get a large return on his money. But that's not enough for him. He wants the money sooner. And 
So I don't, I have nothing but contempt for him. Right. I I I totally get. It. I mean, obviously he's a blackmailer in in this sort of situation, and I and Glenn was right to call him out. Not that you know. I mean, I, <laughs> but, but Glenn also to, to the Wolves' dysfunction thing. Glenn also let him buy in in the first place. You know, and he, yeah, back then, back in the day, right? There were back in the day. This was like five years ago, and that was a time where I bet you what he bought into were the other minority guys jumping off that Glenn bought the other minority guys out. Mm-hmm. So there was a time when Glenn was thinking about buying the team, I mean, selling the team, and it wasn't happening, and, and some minority guys said, I can't do this anymore, all these five right. percenters, you know. Right. And Glenn said, okay, I'll take this, I'll take this. And then when somebody else came along, I don't know. I mean, well, Orbach, I, I, but I feel a little Orbach uncomfortable wanted, about totally yeah. justifying things Glenn Taylor does because he's not and and I'm I'm not trying to do that either I'm just trying to I'm just trying to lay it out there and we know what we know and right let, or we know what's out there right. and so my second issue that I've totally jumped to conclusions on in a very strenuous manner <laughs> I without the Timberwolves dysfunctional play to complain about I guess I'm <laughs> onto the dysfunctional front office I, and it, is, it is representative of dysfunction yes it, it is and right. and Orbach might be a dysfunctional character but Glenn Taylor is is tied to that in his involvement in this. He's went about this sale with Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie and what I, we don't yet totally know if it's going to be dysfunctional, but it is abnormal, certainly. But I am a little heartened by it. I am a little heartened by the idea that um, Glenn has cause to say they are not moving this team for a while because mm-hmm. in two years they'll only own 40% of it. So, I mean, you know, there is something to be said for that. Is that it isn't going to be something where um, we were imagining that maybe Glenn gets most of the money, but the power doesn't happen for two years. But when that power does happen, it's definitive. And what we're seeing is that Glenn is, and perhaps it's because, you know, Lori and A-Rod don't have the coin, but Glenn is letting the money trickle in and the power trickle out so that Glenn does get to say with some assurance, I know what's going on for the next couple of years. So in that respect, that's true. it's good. Um, meanwhile, it's good because... Lori and A-Rod can be badgering the community to get them a new arena. And if they get a new arena, they're going to have no problem raising the rest of the money because the value of the franchise will go up. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all, you know, a pretty, it's I a mean, you game. know, it could be another pandemic, climate change, could be, you know, <laughs> a bus could destroy Target Center. Uh, we don't know what's going to happen, but we do know that it is a situation where Glenn Taylor has more power for the next couple of years than we might have imagined. And what, and what you have always highlighted, and it is you turned me on to this, and it is accurate, is the fact that if you or I or anybody listening to this, their primary motivation when it comes to the Timberwolves is wanting them to stay here. Glenn Taylor has always been good news for that. Despite yes. the... Incom- the, the, the dysfunction that comes along with it, as long as Glenn Taylor was or is the owner, the team's not going anywhere. That's right. 
And, and so I, me as somebody who covers this team specifically, you know, for a living as somebody who wants to have the team stay here, any news doesn't matter if it was a rod or Lori, you know, they're their own characters and we can get into that. Right. Um, but that should signal some concern to people who have that primary motivation of wanting the team to stay here. Now, there's the other side of the coin, too, where it's like, well, if A-Rod and Lori do, in fact, or any owner does, in fact, want to come in and buy the team, it's almost guaranteed going to be an upgrade in ownership yes. quality from a strategic standpoint, from a getting rid of country club standpoint, from a whole litany of Well, just, you know, you wipe a really, really ugly slate clean. Right. Is really what it comes down to. I mean, Glenn Taylor has some virtues, but he has an enormous amount of foibles and skeletons. Mm-hmm. And um, those will be gone. Uh, he will have done his job by my lights. One of the reasons I have consistently defended him in it to a limited degree, I'm not going to defend political campaign contributions to a white supremacist like Steve King, but um, I am going to defend uh, investing in big salaries to guys like Kevin Garnett and going into the luxury tax. Fourteen million to Latrell Sprewell became twenty-eight million. Mm-hmm. Uh, I enjoyed KG's career. I enjoyed that 03-04 season. Um, has he ruined some seasons with uh, what seemed to be really, really dysfunctional ownership? Yes, he has. But they've been seasons in Minnesota. And so uh, at the end of the day, if he rides under the sunset at the age of 82 in two years, having uh, assured that this team has been here for however long that is, 20 years or so, 70-year-old me will be very grateful for that. 70's younger than 82. <laughs> yes, it is. And, and I know that that you and me and probably everyone listening to this um, would like that to extend much, much further into the future. Right. Yeah. But I mean, if you're 30, you say, yeah, well you got to live through your (laughs) forties, fifties and sixties. What about me? And that's a legitimate thing. Um, My bigger take, um, if you want the ultimate scenario in my view, I think what's going to happen is, there will be very, very hard pressure to build an arena, probably on the same footprint it's on now. Maybe grab that uh, bar across the street or something and turn that whole block into mm. a complex or something. And meanwhile, um, Seattle and Vegas come in at a billion dollars a pop, of which um, A-Rod and Lori get 3.3%, which isn't bad for that kind of money. <laughs> right. And um, and they have a new arena, and they have uh, expansion money, and perhaps, you know, the Rosas Finch uh, ant right. towns era. You know, it could all be a wonderful thing. I think that certainly the arena and the expansion part are probably more likely than the Timberwolves thrive part, <laughs> but it makes sense to me that the league will want to keep the 15th biggest media market 
I mean, they certainly have. Yeah, I. I mean, New Orleans. I mean, why aren't we talking about New Orleans? Well, we might be talking about that. That might be it. I mean, a that's where one. you know, after Katrina, they're like forties or something media market. Right. Memphis is a smaller media market, uh, and and as you have pointed out many times, um, there is a dedicated cadre of fans here. Uh, it's not large, but it's vocal and loyal, and you can count on that, and you can also count on this town almost always supporting a winner. So, Yeah, if you build it, they will come. Right. Right? I, I think, again, and, and I, I had <laughs> Jack Borman on the other time, and he was jokingly calling me Doomsday Dane, but where, where my head goes with it is, is not necessarily the most likely. I think what you just laid out is is the most likely scenario, where and it will come down, you know, to that stadium. And I think for all the reasons you laid out, the most likely thing is that 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 happens. They get money, and maybe the teams, maybe the teams, we don't know how the team will be good, right? But that there will be a new stadium built and happily ever after. There is some precedent. Um, to the notion that they might not get that money. That's right. From Minnesota, mm-hmm. which I would draw or which I would point to Seattle and what happened was in 1996 um, they wanted to build Safeco, which is the Seattle Mariners stadium, and they did with publicly funded money, and in 2003 they built CenturyLink Field, which is the Seahawks stadium with publicly funded money, and then when it came around in 2006 to to replace key arena the seattle supersonics is arena seattle was like whoa 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 you know we've, we've already, already we've already given a half billion dollars of publicly funded money to to you know to build stadiums we can't we can't do this right now right and ultimately that you know that forced the sale from howard schultz to clay bennett and and clay bennett eventually moved the team to oklahoma city the the biggest thing that made that happen was one Clay Bennett's motivations, but two and his lies and his lies, but two the fact that the stadium that the public funding for the stadium was not approved. And now, what we can point to here is 2010 building Target Field for the Minnesota Twins with publicly funded money, 2015 building U.S. Bank for the Minnesota Vikings with publicly funded money, and now here we are in 2021 saying, or somebody probably saying sometimes pretty soon, we need publicly funded money for the Minnesota Timberwolves. And don't forget the soccer stadium. And, and the soccer stadium as well. So, Which was turned down in Minneapolis. It was. And, and, and so I would and just... And the Gophers. I would Actually, think, football stadium. Right. Which, right. you know, I, I, I don't mean to interrupt your train of thought. I'll make this quick. But it's always a, a fact that just amazes me. The Gophers 40,000 seat or 30,000, whatever it is, whether it's 30,000 or 40,000, it is the only it's forty, only size stadium like that built from the ground up rather than adding 40,000 seats mm. to a 60,000 seat stadium like Ohio State or Michigan. Right. But it is the only stadium of that size that's been built like 40 years on a college campus. Hmm. I didn't know that. So, I mean, so there's another thing, and that was money. I mean, everybody, there is, to your point, I'm just adding to your point that. Uh, there's already been a lot of public funding the money. Metro over the pa- authority to uh, churn money for on behalf of sports is saturated. 
Uh, and the Timberwolves, while they have a diehard cadre, um, are certainly not as popular as the Vikings, arguably not as popular as the Twins. Um, and, and those are already some costs. They've exactly. already happened. Exactly. So it doesn't and, even matter how we power rank how, how popular they am. But, I mean, it also is, for the people who don't care about stadiums in general, it's right. just another ask. Exactly. And and so it's just another ask. And I don't know. I haven't pulled Minnesota. I've, like, right. we don't know what, what, if the ask is going to be yes or no. But it, it seems exceedingly likely that this new ownership group of Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie are going to seek public funding as they... Yeah, that would be right. a logical economic move to make. And, you know, and that could ultimately be shut down. So if we want to, like, put the, I don't know, evil villain hat on them, which, which we don't know. There's, they, haven't, they haven't tipped their hand in any sort of way. But there is a world where if the, the evil villains would, would have their, their conversation and they would say, hey, if we're able to buy this for $1.5 billion and find our way out. $50 million and, is, and, is yeah, the buyout. Right. And find our way to get to somewhere else. You call it Seattle. You call it Vegas. And all of a sudden that is now valued at $2.5 billion or $3 billion or right. whatever you want to say. Right. And yes, there's expenses there. But if, if that's where they're going, you can't, given that precedent of Seattle, you right. can't really draw up a better playbook for a route out. If that was your ultimate motivation, which we don't know. Right. It's just... No, I agree. And not only that, but the precedent with Oklahoma City mm -hmm. was what they did at that end. I mean, there are two ends to this. The, 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 the town you are leaving needs to have some justification for you leaving them. In that case, it was, no, we won't give you a stadium. And then the town you're going to, there has to be some justification, which was what do you need to come play here? Right. And the NBA, you know, while you know the pandemic and everything else has had its ups and downs and sports ownership isn't quite as guaranteed a panacea as it might have looked pre-pandemic, it's still a pretty good bet. And um, there will be places... Um, beyond Vegas and Seattle, you know, maybe and, and it's... That's, and that's what I wanted to say, too, is there, there is this idea of a shield in the notion that the league is going to expand, which it very likely will, and that that expansion precludes relocation. Right. And that is not necessarily true. They, the league could expand to Seattle and Las Vegas, and all that would preclude for the Timberwolves or all the other 30 franchises whose owners could pick them up and move them. Right. All that that would preclude is their ability to move to Seattle or Las Vegas. Right. Now, and they could move to Pittsburgh. They could move to wherever else. The catch is, and what might deter them, is Vegas is where the money pot is. Right. If you're trying to, if you're trying to boost your value, if that's what your ultimate goal was, again, evil villain, right. you're trying to flip your $1.5 into $3 billion valuation. Now maybe you go, well, Pittsburgh... Pittsburgh, we can only it would only boost our valuation to one point nine billion. Right? Is this worth you know? Is this worth four hundred million dollars? And that, your answer is probably no, because you're gonna have to you're gonna have all these different fees and all these different different sort of things. So that that has been been pitched as a shield, but we don't. But you don't know. Expansion also might not happen in Seattle and Vegas. Maybe it's only one of those two places. Right. And one one is open. And I 
knowing the little I know about private equity and knowing that Alex Rodriguez and Mark Laurie have private equity backgrounds, I mean, that is the nature of private equity. That is, that is what you are buying products. You are inserting stability, tech, whatever it might be. Right. And ultimately, increasing the valuation of, of the product and then selling it again. Or maybe at that point, you're just cool with sitting on your valuation and maybe now you're, you sell out some shares of it to cash out, whatever you might do. But when I, heard that player, equity, when, when I heard that private equity people took over it, that just to me, you know, Alex, it doesn't matter even what the names are. I, I, don't, I don't understand why there isn't some fear that this might happen. Right, because private equity is evil. I mean, it is. Like, there was a big story villains. in the New York Times about how private equity has pretty much distorted the tax rates in its favor with a bushel of lobbyists and uh, campaign contributions and the whole carried interest thing. And I mean, it, it, private equity is where the fat cats, I mean, when people talk about hedge funds or whatever, mm -hmm. private equities are like the hedge funds' parents. <laughs> totally. It, you know? It, so, I mean, and it, it and I don't want to, I, I think you're actually painting it too broad of brushes there. Generally speaking, private equity might be, but there, 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 <laughs> there are. Be, yeah, there's venture capital, which is also theoretically private equity. I mean, yeah. private equity is a big, category and like there is it's but when it, you're dealing with franchises you, generally the private equity starts to get into some pretty evil people and and that that's all i'm trying to say in all of right. this and as we again this is going to take years and we're going to talk about it right i'm not trying to be doomsday i'm trying to be complete and i found a lot of the discourse surrounding this to be incomplete right either or yeah. Black or white. This is what, you know, this is over. This isn't over. Are they going to sell if we, if, if Glenn Taylor sells it to them, are they going to move? All these things are, are malleable. They mm -hmm. all are things that we don't know and won't know. Some have agendas that they won't disclose. And when they put out feelers on that agenda, if they get a positive response, then that chance grows. If they get a negative response, then that chance diminishes. Right. These are the things we don't know, but they're certainly being considered. And these folks would be crazy to not think about steps B, C, D, and E on $1.5 billion, especially if one of the avenues to step B is taking a 1.5 and making a 1.55, which is really all $500 million is in that equation. 50, yeah. $1.55 billion. Mm -hmm. um, then, oh, is it 50 or five? Yeah, it isn't even 500. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, there you go. So, the point being, if they want to move and they can move in terms of the league or whatever, it would be a very profitable thing for them to do. And, and that... I'm glad you brought up the league. One, uh, yes to both of those things. It very likely could be a profitable thing to move the team because, and people point to the expansion fee that they would have to do and they would lose all their money in that. But that's not what I'm talking about in this scenario. Expansion happens and then relocation. A relocation fee 
would be a hundred million dollars, maybe two hundred million dollars. Mm-hmm. Yes, starting a whole the expand. And what Glenn has said is, oh, it's going to cost him two billion dollars to to move the team. No, it would cost two billion dollars to ex- to expand and start a, create right. a whole new team. Those those are different sort of things. So, I don't think it's ultimately you know impossible for it to be a very profitable venture for people, somebody, if they wanted to, to buy the Minnesota Timberwolves, move them, and make in valuation right. $500 million, $1 billion. And that's a, pretty, that's a pretty big business move. There's not a lot of ways in the world that you can... It, it's, it's, hard to, it's hard to double your money when we're talking about that many zeros, if you know right. what I mean. And, but the thing you brought up was the leak. And that is... I want to... That is the shield. Like... And and we I think there's kind of been this overlapping of expansion and the league are one in the same shield. I don't view expansion as a shield to the extent that I view the league itself as a shield because what the league can just do is say, no, you have an agreement to that we have this team in Minnesota. We do not approve your move, your, right. your relocation. Right. And that is that is the only thing that can ultimately ensure this from from happening. Is is the league just saying no? They are they are the end of the line. They they can they can stop that. And what pushes back against that to some extent is every owner knowing. Mm. It's kind of like the whole filibuster argument in Congress. Right. You know yeah. what happens when the other guy gets apart? What happens when you want to move your team? You mm-hmm. know, um, you know, there's a guy who owns the Atlanta Hawks right now that are traditionally thirtieth in the NBA in attendance, or right around there. You know, um, maybe he doesn't like the idea of being consigned to Atlanta indefinitely. I do think that owners scratch each other's backs, of course, and Glenn Taylor is very popular among owners in the league. I think that's certainly one of the reasons why he thinks, uh, although, again, this that he has be, some assurances. This may be Mankato rather than billionaire talking now. He may not realize that once he's able to go away that he won't nearly have as much clout as <laughs> he thinks he does now. Right. You know, but who knows? He's got a billion dollars and I don't, so I would imagine I'd bet on him knowing what he's doing. <laughs> but I do think that owners are going to be unlikely to put precedence on their own freedom of movement mm-hmm. in place. I think that is one of the things that we do. We can't count on the league necessarily being the stopgap. I think it will be greed. I think it will be more we've expanded and now we don't want too much churn. We don't want to hurt the, you know, the value of the league. But you know what? What happens if uh Well, hold on. Okay, go ahead. Good cuz I was then about back to go to, off into some weird Yeah, I, I could tell. <laughs> The, the the difference, we have a different commissioner now, uh-huh. which is a big deal because a big proponent in the move of Seattle to Oklahoma City was David Stern. Right. He he helped push that through. Yep. Very, you know, that. He wanted to set an example. He wanted to set an example. Build a stadium where we will not come. He also felt scorned by Seattle, disrespected. If you, if you really, right. I, I've spent a lot of time digging into this whole Seattle thing. He took a flight out to Seattle to meet with the the city manager isn't the right word, but the person who ultimately turned down the 
the public funding for a new Sonic stadium there. And he was felt very disrespected by that. He flew all the way out there just for the guy to tell him no. And he's like, you know, it's, it's like, I think a phone call would have sufficed right, here. Right. Um, and, and so he got, he got on some bad terms with the, the Seattle, the city of Seattle in that sort of way. And then if you follow, you know, the rest of what happened, I mean, David Stern was a driving force of moving the team to Oklahoma city because what David Stern viewed as most important was the quality of the product and key arena sucked in Seattle and they were going to build, they had a, they had a, a brand new right. stadium. I remember key arena. City. Right. And so, and they had that temporary thing in Tacoma yeah, for a while, they did, they did. for a year or two. That it, was a joke. It, it is, it is a different commissioner now. Right. And, and we don't know what, we don't know how Adam Silver would ultimately, you know, come down placed in those exact Seattle circumstances right. or whatever the circumstances might prove out to be here in Minnesota if that path even even gets taken. So I say it's a shield in terms of it, it, it possibly is. Right. It could also be it could also be a driving force right. out. Ultimately there's all these million different connections in the chain that would have to happen for a, a move to happen and, and you know, it could be one of the first two things in the in the chain of a hundred things that shuts it down, and it's like, nope, here we go, we got a new stadium, and it and it's built. I guess what 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 I just want to say in in you know in just that I think it's possible that these these chain links do connect to together, and that they ultimately, if it is Alex Rodriguez and Mark Lurie's ultimate motivation to move the team. That it is, it is very much possible. It is not the likely scenario, right? Because it, you know, it's hard to flip a coin eight times in a row on heads, right? And either way, if it does happen, I think another important piece of context is the fact that it will take so long. One, we have this built-in two and a half, three-year window here where Glenn Taylor does have the control, as you right. talked about. So safe until then. Plus, then at that point, that is when the whole process of the trying to publicly fund the stadium would begin. That's years. Uh, I, no, I think actually the, fun, the public funding of the stadium will start before the two-year window is open. But, but I know it'll what still you're extend, It'll right. still extend right. on top of that. Yeah, right. And that, it's just like yeah. even if the Timberwolves were ultimately moved, it couldn't be any faster than like eight years from now. I would think that's accurate. And that, I mean, that's I think, and that's on you know, speedy. Let's say five, six, seven. If something enormously, infl you know, if if a town didn't Oklahoma City like have an arena or something? They yeah, they'd already. Built, I mean, if another town they'd already built it, and that's why the Pelicans were there. Exactly, and that's if a town is is basically saying, you know, like say Long Beach or something, right. says we're going to build an arena because we figure we'll get the next thing. Mm -hmm. Um, if that happens, you might shorten the window to like five or six years. But even then, you know, you're still talking. An interesting thing that um, that happened in Seattle in 1996 with the Seattle Mariners was initially that that ball was rolling on that trying to get public funding for the Mariners Stadium, and initially it was turned down. And then the Mariners got good. They won 108 games. They won 108 they had games. Exactly. And and well. No, no, no. This is the A-Rod time. The A-Rod, Randy oh. Johnson, Ken Griffey time. <laughs> that came afterwards. Each row's, I think I was like 2000. Okay. Um, but what happened was Seattle became inspired by the Mariners 
and then changed their tune and re- revoted or and ultimately approved public funding after initially declining it. So you can extrapolate some of that and out. And then in football, they were the 12th man when the Seahawks won. Exactly. I mean, Seattle gets on board if they have a winner and if they get on board, if they have a winner, they get on board and then and then they pay. Right. It's and, not like Alabama. <laughs> sure. You know, you know, basically Alabama football, you know, come hell or high water, you know, uh, they the loyalty is to winning as much as it is to the sport. Exactly. But um, and so there you go. I mean, if so, uh, what if the wolves are good? If, that's what's up. That's what, what I'm saying. If, if whatever it's the good, next, that's right. The next five years, that's, is, that's another lottery ticket. <laughs> it's, a, it's another lottery ticket. But like, there's a world, right? Right. Where I mean, they become like Denver or Phoenix or many other teams. Yeah. I mean, what if what they if actually get better as time goes on? We have not known that. <laughs> we haven't. But known it's, that. it's certainly something that could happen. And you know, I I, what if Anthony Edwards is the next Luka Doncic? Exactly. Well. I, I mean, uh, I know, we're no, talking I about lottery I know what you mean. I know you what you mean. Yeah, right. you don't got to crap on it. It's, you know, and, and what if this front office is really smart? And what if they, they have right. actually been putting the pieces together for two years and ultimately, yep. you know, they've had this long view and by 2024, you know, they're one of the best teams in the league. That's right. And and that is, you know, it's a possibility. It's not ridiculous. It, it always, Despite you know, it always what has. recent history would suggest, and that what twenty twenty four would align with the time where the public funding would be made. And available. there is, I mean, I actually think there's a decent case to be made. This town, this metro area, has always been stadium friendly, arena friendly, um, and I, I, they do. Uh, the Twins coming here in 61 and the Vikings shortly thereafter that made a huge impact mm-hmm. on the, you know, on the, on the feeling, the vibe of the state. And um, I can see that it it's uh, there's a history here and there are diehard sports fans here. I mean, I can just say, you know, when I was going to leave Cincinnati, Ohio in 1984 and I was looking around, I write about music, sports, and politics. I wanted to go someplace in sports that had a great menu of things for me to write about. And this was one of the few markets that had all four major team sports existing within it at that time. Actually, that's not true. Basketball hadn't been here yet, but it was already on the table, talked about. But so, it's, why, it's literally why you chose to move here exactly, and, exactly. and cover the Minnesota Timberwolves for 30 right. years. It's, again, this, I, I think this will prove to be a rather exhausting process because, um, you know, I, what the next steps are, and which I, I, we kind of had the, the trickle first trickle out of that today where – a Rod said on Instagram that they're gonna, you know, keep the team here, and there will there will continue to be. Um, There's no reason why he shouldn't be exactly solely saying that for at least as long as he can no longer hide the fact that that's not what he wants. And but at the same time, too, is like clearly, clearly, I'm skeptical about all of this. Yeah, but you know. They ultimately could be cool with keeping the team here. They they could, and so why not it would be, be heroes in that town? You right. Know? It, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be. It would be wrong of me to to point out all of these, this 
seemingly unlikely scenario that, you know, that they move and call it a 15, 20% chance, whatever, and then ignore the idea that there's at least a 15 or 20% chance that in their just own personal motivations that they might just not want to rip a team out of a city. I mean, and Laurie creates his future society of the future. Sure. Whatever, you know, it's, it, it, it's not, it's not to his past society. (laughs) (laughs) It's, uh, I, I don't know. It's it's a really it's a really interesting you know thing to me. It kind of personally merges some of my interest in like economics and yeah. you know, obviously the, my main interest, which is my job of of covering this team. Um, but it's we don't know. I mean, we don't know. And 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 that that's that's all I'm I'm trying to say is there are there are multiple paths to be taken on here. There is going to be shiny objects that distract yep. along the way or alter alter the course. But there is very much a possibility that on the footprint of where Target Center currently lies, that that is flattened. A beautiful arena does exist, and maybe a beautiful team plays in there. There you, you go. Know, sometime right. in the next and, five and years. And guys like Orbach will be minor, minor footnotes. Exactly. Exactly. So it's... Uh, It'll be it'll be it'll be worth monitoring, and you know we got you got many more years to to see it all see it all come together. Um, all right, Bert. Well, thanks for doing both of these together. I took a lot sure. of your my pleasure your, your time today, and I, I it won't be our last conversation about this. Uh, <laughs> That's for sure. I don't think either. we just want don't want to repeat ourselves too often. <laughs> exactly. Well, he's Britt Robson. You can read him at the Athletic on Twitter at Britt Robson. I'm Dane at Dane Moore MBA. Um, I will be back with another show tomorrow with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, who is going to come on to discuss his discuss <laughs> discuss his book, uh, Built to Lose, which has some awesome anecdotes uh, that I was just telling you about, Britt, about the, yeah, the process Sixers. A lot of, lot of Timberwolves connections. So I would encourage you all to listen to that. Um, until then, I'm Dane. Peace out. How I'm feeling, man, I hope it never stop, yeah.